Thanks for watching today at wildwoodchurch.com. Now here's today's message. Good morning, Wildwood. Turn your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 26 this morning. Last week in our series kickoff, which was supposed to start this week, but it started last week. Uh, last week in our mission, part one, we cover the first two mission priorities of Wildwood Church. We see that we have the, the, the great commission mandate that Jesus left with his church for all time until he comes back. We see that we, Wildwood, see, see that happening in four key ways. The first two we saw last week, which is that we connect people to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our ministry is primarily a ministry of reconciliation, connecting people that are at enmity with God, with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for you, sinner, and rose from the grave. And it is by faith in Jesus that you can have peace with God. And that is our mission, to proclaim that to the nations, to take that as far and wide as we can possibly take it with as much fervor and sincerity as we can possibly muster until Jesus comes back. And those that have been brought into peace with God through faith in, the God, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ then we connect to others through discipleship. We are not meant to walk alone. And we connect people to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then we take those people that we call Christians and we connect them with other Christians in a process called discipleship. I concluded last week by pointing out that Jesus' discipleship model presupposes connection with other people. He commissioned people to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. The Christian faith is a personal faith, but it's not a private faith. We are saved individually, but we are then saved into a body. The universal body of Christ made visible by the local body. And here now in this place, we call it Wildwood Church. Our third mission priority has a similar focus to our second, and it is this, that Wildwood Church connects people to the church through partnership. Now, you might be familiar with our process called Partner with Wildwood. It's our membership process. In fact, it starts today in second hour. We do this every quarter, and it's our membership process. It's the process that we go through to connect people to the church through partnership. So what I want to do today is look at where we get the biblical mandate or the biblical uh, concept of membership and why we call it partnership. But before we jump into the text, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for a beautiful day. We thank you, Father, for this beautiful facility that you've allowed us to gather in. Uh, but Lord, I'm reminded that the church is not a building. The church is this body. And if this building burned down, this body would still be intact. And we would still have the mandate uh, to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And I pray, Jesus, that we would be on mission until you come back. And then we can rest. Lord, help us to keep that in mind. We are on mission now and we can rest in eternity. 
And I pray, Jesus, that you would, you would, oh, you would enliven our hearts to that truth. Help us to honor you, Lord, as we look at your word. Help us to respond to it in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you shop at one of these big box warehouse stores or you have a, a, a gym that you go to, when I mention the term membership, that might be what comes to your mind. You pay a fee, and because you have, pay a fee, you have certain access, certain benefits, you're entitled to certain things, you have certain expectations of the organization because of your membership, but that is fundamentally not what church membership is. The biblical concept of church membership comes from the passage that we're gonna look at today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 16. I really would like for you to open a Bible. It's important to me that you see that this is the word of God, not my word, not my opinion, not my philosophy, but the very word of God. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 24, 14 through 26, Paul describes the church as a body. And he says in verse 14, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So right off the bat, we have to see that being part of a church in, in God's view, okay, does God's view matter what it looks like to be part of a church? Does anything else matter? No. That was a trick question. <laughs> no, nothing else matters. Only God's view matters, what, what it means to be part of a church. So where do we understand God's view of what it means to be part of a church? The Bible, God's written word. He says here, Paul says here, that the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So right off the bat, we understand that being a part of a church is like being a member of a body. Now, why would Paul feel the need to write about what it's like to be a member of a church? And what is he implying here? Well, even 2,000 years ago, Paul was dealing with division and rivalry and jealousy and, and division in the church, even 2,000 years ago. By my calculation, the church is about 20 years old that he's writing to, 20 years old. And he's already having to correct this individualized faith problem. And Americans are hyper-individualistic. I don't, I don't, I don't think that, that we have less of a problem to deal with than the Corinthians did. Maybe we have more of a problem, but maybe it's the same. It doesn't matter. But Paul was dealing with division and rivalry and jealousy. And there were people that were jealous of, of certain people's giftings. And they thought, well, you're the, you've got the best gift and I don't have that kind of gift. So I'm nothing, or I have the best kind of gift and you don't. So you're nothing. And they would compare one another. And in, and in, Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 11, we kind of get to the heart of the matter where Paul tells them that they despise the church of God. And why was that? 
because they failed to recognize that they were part of a body. Now the context specifically was communion. But what he, what he points out is the, the bread is bread, the, the, the wine was wine. The issue was that when the Lord's Supper was celebrated, they would gorge themselves. They would rush to the church and they would eat all the food. They would drink all the, they would get drunk on communion wine. Can you imagine this? They would get drunk on communion wine. They would eat all the bread. So some, some got full and others went uh, hungry. And Paul says, eat at your own house. It's not what this is about. Communion is about the body. Communion is about us coming together to recognize what Jesus has done, to unify us. And he says, because you have this hyper-individualized understanding of the faith, because you don't recognize that you're part of a body, you despise the church of God. Boy, that is a, that is a strong indictment. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and now here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He continues in verse 18. He says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now again, if we go back to verse 14, he used that term member to refer to body parts. And so it seems okay to, to substitute here. There are many members, yet one body. He's making the case that the local church is made up of many people, all of whom have a place and a purpose specifically because God arranged the body as he chose. Do you understand that if you have discerned, this is my church, you have done that because God put you here, right? If you, feel, if you have discerned, this is my family, this is my body, this is my church, Wildwood is my church, Pastor Brian is my pastor, it's because God has arranged you here. And if God has put you here, then brother and sister, you have a responsibility to God to function here. God has put you here because there's a hole here that he has gifted you to fill. You have a responsibility to the Lord to function as a member of the body. That's where we get the scriptural concept of membership. It's not like Sam's or Costco or your gym where you pay a due and you have expectations of the organization and you're entitled to certain benefits. No, membership in a church is like being part of a body and you have a responsibility to function in your purpose in that body because God has placed you there. A couple things that are implied here. One, it implies that everyone who is, is here, that God has placed here, has a purpose here. And number two, it implies that if you're here, you have to find your place. You need to find where the Lord has placed you here. It also implies that not every church is going to be gifted to do the same thing or called to do the very same thing. We have unique giftings. We have unique uh, skill sets. We, we draw a unique uh, type of person. 
and we have a unique way of fulfilling the Great Commission. And it's incumbent upon us to understand what that is, how we reach our community, how we take our skills and our giftings and our resources and put them to use. You know, not every church is called to start a seminary or a hospital. Not every church is called to to minister in a rural environment or an urban environment. Not every church is called to, to establish a bilingual ministry. What are we supposed to be doing? Well, we look around, we see what has God brought to us and how are we gonna use what he's brought to us? But that means, brother and sister, that we are not fulfilling what God has called us to do as long as you are not fulfilling what God has called you to do. That's what we mean by membership. Now let's talk about the word partnership. Where does that come from? Why do we use that phraseology partnership. Why does Wildwood connect people to the church through partnership? If we continue reading in, in, Roman, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we get the sense that the church, like a body, ought to work together in harmony and unity. Look, look at what Paul says in verses 21 through 24. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. So it doesn't matter what categories we use, whether we're talking about old people versus young people, new people versus established people. Whether we're talking about ethnicity or income or education or maturity, it's not right for the church to venerate one group and say to the other group, we don't really need you, to, uh, to, to treat them with disdain. Instead, Paul says in verse 24 and 25, but God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. God's concern for his church is that the body would be one, that we would be concerned for one another. Now, does this apply to the universal body? Does the Lord desire that Wildwood Church is concerned about what is happening at Edgewood Baptist Church? Yes. Does it, does it imply that, that Wildwood Church is concerned about what's happening with our brothers and sisters in Haiti and Kenya and Japan? Yes but it is more specifically focused on the people that we see and we walk uh, through life with, this church, our body. You see, if we, if we look at this and say, well, the application is to the universal body, you get off the hook. Because practically and functionally, you can't be concerned about the whole universal body of Christ because most of it is dead already and the rest is not yet born. And it's scattered all over the world and you'll never meet them until Jesus comes back and calls his church 
to be with him. But who can you be concerned about? The people that call themselves Wildwood Church. The people that you say, you're part of my body and I'm part of you and we are in this together. That's, that's who you can rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. You can carry their burdens. God's concern is that the church would be one that we would be concerned for one another, that we would be a community of believers who follow Jesus as his disciples, who obey Jesus out of love and love others as he has loved us. Isn't that what we all want church to be? And why is it not that way? Well, because we're sinners. And because we're prone to wander, we're prone to get it wrong. But is that okay? Does that justify it? No. We aspire to this. Look, marriages are a beautiful picture that, that two sinners can walk in harmony, and it's a beautiful thing. It is possible for hundreds of people to love one another with the love of Christ. That is possible, and that ought to be our aspiration. And that's what we mean by partnership. Partnership is another word for the biblical term fellowship, which is introduced to us in Acts chapter, 20, uh, Acts chapter 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, or koinonia. Have you heard that word before? Koinonia. That's Fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then two verses later, it's essentially defined for us. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. That, that's the essence of what partnership or fellowship or koinonia really means. Fellowship for many churches, especially Baptist, is really a meal in a room that has a kitchen and place to eat. But fellowship is way more than a meal. Meals provide excellent opportunities to fellowship. But fellowship is more than sharing a meal together. Well, I think fellowship, the essence of fellowship, is summarized in, in our modern day term, partnership. Why? Because partners bear one another's burdens. They share the load with one another. They don't only think of themselves, but they think of everyone with whom they are partnered. They rejoice over the other's victories. They mourn over the other's losses and hardships. They don't think only of themselves, but of everyone else. That is the essence of fellowship. That's what it means. They had all things in common. That's the essence of fellowship, it's the essence of partnership, and that's what we mean by membership. It's cooperation with one another in God's mission in the world. To use the illustration of Ephesians 4.16, it's the body building itself up when every part is working together properly. That's a beautiful picture, is it not? A healthy church ought to be a growing church. Now, there could, be, there could be exceptions. I have no doubt about that. But a healthy church is a, is a growing church. It is building itself up in love because every member is doing what it ought to be doing. Imagine if the 
Hundreds of people that call Wildwood Church their church saw the mission of God as the most important thing to them. And they said, Lord, everything that we do is, is about that, is about you, is about making disciples. And I'm going to carry the burdens of my fellow Christians. And it's, this is not to say that we don't care for and love our friends at other churches, not at all. But we have a special responsibility to one another. And imagine if that happened across the board and every person that said, Wildwood Church is my church, took that seriously. Imagine what the Lord would do in the Quad Cities and around the world. Wildwood Church connects people to the church through partnership. On August 18th, we hosted the men's rally called You Are Not Alone 175 of our men, approximately, gathered in this room to worship, to give testimony, and to stand side by side, one, one another, in the war against pornography. And we said, we are not going to be satisfied, we're not going to tolerate this cancer of sin in our church. And we're going to vocalize it, we're going to express it, we're going to identify it, and we're going to confess it. And I know that many men have confessed to their wives even since that rally and have entered into a counseling and healing process. But the message and the concept of the You Are Not Alone men rally, men's rally is essentially the same as membership. The message is this, you are not alone and you're not supposed to be. You were not created to walk this journey by yourself. One of our men forwarded me yesterday a very timely uh, illustration. And he said, I want you to pray about using this in one of your sermons. <laughs> it's like, it fits tomorrow. <laughs> that, that, that's partnership. I'll tell you the illustration, but that's Partnership. He, he's praying, he's praying for me. At some point, he's thinking about our church and he reads an illustration and he says, you know what, that could help our people. Let me forward that to Pastor Brian. So here's the illustration. A pastor is visiting a man from his church. He goes to his home and they sit down in the living room and the, the fire is flickering and glowing and they don't say a word. And the pastor gets up and he walks over to the fire and he takes the, the tongs and he pulls out an ember of coal or an ember of wood and he places it off to the side. And he sets back down. Not a word is spoken. And they sit and they observe, they watch as this once bright red ember slowly dulls until it becomes black and cold. And after some time goes by, the pastor stands up and he takes the ember, he places it back into the fire, and what happens? The radiance returns. Now you can be a Christian, you, you, can, you can be in a church and not be faithful. But I have not met a person 
who is faithful and healthy and growing who neglects the body. You can be in the body and not be faithful and not be healthy and not be growing. But I have yet to see a person who habitually neglects the gathering together of the saints that is faithful and healthy and growing. Are there exceptions? Of course. We're talking about neglect. We're not talking about you're providentially kept from being with the body. We're talking about neglect. We're talking about making a choice to not be with the body. Membership at Wildwood is about making a few key commitments to the body. Remember, this is not a social club and it's not a Sam's Club or a Costco Club or a gym membership. It's not a social club, though we do social things, and I have no doubt that some of your most important relationships are among these people. But we're not a social club. We're a body with a mission, and we make a commitment to one another. Number one, show up. The first commitment that that members make to one another is to show up, to be present, Do you realize that your showing up is encouraging to other people? Do you know that it discourages pastors whenever you don't show up? It discourages other people who who they come and, and they're looking forward to seeing you and you're not here and that's a discouragement. It also sets a poor example because some people think, well, I mean, if they're not coming and they're they've been Christians for a long time, maybe I don't need to come. Maybe I don't need to be present. There's a community nature to this relationship. We are called to encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Do you see the day approaching? What day? Well, the day of judgment, the day of Jesus' return. Do you sense, Christian, that Jesus' return is near? I do. And we are encouraged all the more to encourage one another how to stir up one another to love and good works. Hebrews 10, 24. How do you do that if you're not present? How do you obey that text if you're habitually not present with the body? Your presence is an encouragement. Now, again, there's exceptions. I make exceptions. I'm, I'm not here about 10 weeks a year vacation and conferences and uh, it has been army duty. This, this is not a legalistic thing. I know some of you come from a background where it's like, you must, it's the law, you must be here. That's not, that's not what we're asking you to. We're inviting you to a relationship. Saying these people, these are your, you can encourage these people. So you should be here unless you're providentially kept from being here, vacation, Perhaps work calls you in. We have firefighters and EMTs and law enforcement officers. And and they're called out and they have to be gone. But you know, if you're gone, take the opportunity to, to stay connected by watching or listening online. We make great effort to put this online, not as a replacement for you being present. And I'm I'm aware that there are people listening right now online that are not here. 
It's not, it's not a replacement for being present, but it's a supplement. You can't be here, you can watch online, you can go back, we post it online. Uh, uh, you know, it's online live right now and it'll be on our website by Tuesday uh, morning. We have a podcast, you can listen to it online. And why should you do this? Well, this is part two of our mission, which means that if you weren't here last week, you missed part one. And our mission is pretty important. And I would argue that every sermon that we preach, whether it's me or anyone else, is pretty important to the life of our church because I, we don't get up here thinking, well, let, me, let us just give a cold uh, rehash of what the Bible says. The task of a pastor is to pray and ask the Lord, what do you want the people of Wildwood to hear from this passage? And so if you're not present, you are missing something. So I would just encourage you that if you're not here, that you watch online, either live or later in the week, so that you stay up to date, you stay connected with what the body is getting. The second key commitment that we make to one another is to serve. You've probably heard that 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people. Not yet, Amber. You've probably heard that 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people. I've not done a study. I don't know if that's true of us. My guess is that it's probably true. It doesn't seem healthy to me that almost all of the work of the church would get done by so few people. And we wonder why people get burned out in kids ministry and youth ministry and serving in a tech team and mowing the grounds because so few people do so much of the work. I don't think that that is what Jesus intends for his church. I would ask you, do you, do you, do you believe, this is an honest, a time for honest introspection, do you believe that, that Jesus intends for you to be part of the body the way you are per, currently part of the body? That's between you and Jesus. Are you serving the body the way Jesus intends for you to serve the body? We have lots of volunteer opportunities in just about every ministry area. Imagine if ministry leaders did not have to beg, but rather had a waiting list, could, could do rotations. We have whole teams that, and, and many of our ministries do that, and praise the Lord. We have a strong volunteer base. Thank you for volunteering. What I'm asking is more people to put their hand on the rope and pull in the same direction. Do you understand what I'm saying? Number three, support. And yes, I am talking about money. And I know everyone gets uncomfortable when the pastor talks about money. But we have kingdom work to do. This is not a for-profit organization our primary concern is not the shareholders. We, we don't sell a product. We are a body of people who have been given resources by the Lord, and he asks that we give a portion of that back to be put to use in his kingdom. Now, I hope that I never hear anyone say, well, Pastor Brian, I can't give any more than I'm already giving. Times are hard. Listen, I'm not asking anyone to give more than what they're already giving. What I'm asking everyone to do is to say again, just like with service, Lord, am I being faithful with what you've given me? 
I don't want you to look at the budget and say, well, the budget has gone up and so, man, you, you're gonna expect more out of me. No, I don't expect more out of you numerically. I just want more out of you faithfully. I, I want more of you faithful. That's it. I want you to ask yourself, Lord, am I being faithful with what you have given me or not? And if the answer is no, then you give more, not because of the budget at Wildwood, but because of faith, because of obedience, because the Lord said, I'm inviting you to this opportunity to invest in the kingdom. Faithful giving is the key, not compulsion. Anyone that feels compulsion because they look at a budget and says, well, the budget's gone up, so my giving has to go up, you're, you're wrong from the, from the start. It's not about the budget, it's about faith. The Lord asks you to be faithful with what you've been given. And that's all we're asking as well. Number four, that you submit. Submit to the leadership of the elders so long as we're leading you according to the word of God. Generally speaking, you ought to follow the direction of the elders. When you identify that the elders are leading you off course, you ought to resist that. You, have, you, the congregation, have a responsibility to protect the gospel. But to the extent that we're leading you according to God's word, you ought to generally follow that. But you don't just submit to the elders, you submit to one another. There's this idea that pastors are the problem solvers of the church. That God gave the, the, the church, the pastors and elders, to police the congregation. And this sentiment is right, is, is, uh, is ripe, not right, is ripe in the local church. We don't want to hear, Pastor, about the problems in our church. We don't want to know about people's sin problems. We're going to turn a blind eye. You are the ones who are supposed to deal with people's sin problems, is the sentiment. But the Bible tells us that we are to deal with our own sin, with, with each other's sin. Someone sins against you, you go directly to them and tell them their sin. And if they don't repent, you take two or three witnesses. And if they still don't repent, Jesus says, tell it to the church, not the elders. And let the church decide. But that seems uncomfortable to many people. Listen, we don't get to decide what the Bible says, right? We don't get to decide what, what Jesus' plan for his church is. Who does? Jesus does. The Bible was written 2,000 years ago. The New Testament was written 2,000 years ago. And it hasn't changed. So here's what we ask. Here's what membership is. Show up, serve, support, and submit. Show up, serve, support, and submit. That's what it looks like to be a good member of a local church. So how do you fit in this body? If you don't know, I invite you to explore that. One of the, one of the things that, that uh, excites me and uh, fills me with joy is that every Sunday there's new people coming. You're inviting your friends and neighbors and people you meet uh, on the street and in, the, in your gym and in, your, in Costco and in Sam's and all these other places that you go and, and you're bringing people to the church. Praise the Lord for that. Maybe you're new and maybe you're wondering, okay, how do I fit? 
can probably be pretty intimidating. I can promise you, you're not gonna, we're not gonna pull you up here and say, preach next Sunday, <laughs> right? But there may be a place that the Lord has uniquely gifted you. You've got a skill set. you've got something that you can contribute and the Lord wants you to use it for his glory. So I encourage you to join the Partner with Wildwood class. It starts today in second service. But even if you couldn't make it today, you can jump in next week. But even if you're not ready for that just yet, I would encourage you to write on a connect card. I would like to figure out where I fit in this body and let a pastor reach out to you this week. Now there's a lot more to unpack about membership and I'm gonna speak on that in two weeks when we come back to the core values of meaningful membership. But for now, let's move on to our fourth and final mission priority. Wildwood Church connects people to purpose through service. Jesus said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to offer himself as a ransom for many. And he also said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. So Jesus modeled sacrificial servant leadership and being a disciple means doing what Jesus did. And we believe that the height of discipleship, that when, to use Jesus' terms, Amber, could you bring that back up for me? Luke 640. To use Jesus' terms fully trained, that, that when you have been discipled, you're, I'm a Christian now, great, let's disciple you, let's teach you to, to, to think like Jesus so you can live like Jesus, let's get you plugged into the church, and you're fully discipled, you're, you're, you're mature, you're fully trained. That doesn't mean you stop growing, but you're ready to invest in other people. Jesus says when he's fully trained, we'll be like his teacher. So we believe that the height of discipleship is not so much greater knowledge, but greater sacrificial service in the name of Jesus. We believe that the true purpose in your life and in my life is wrapped up in Christ. In fact, your life ought to be so deeply connected to Jesus that apart from him, it could be said, you do nothing. That's what Jesus said. John 15 says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he says, by this, my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now keep in mind that the mission of the church is to make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, specifically make disciples who obey Jesus. And so here Jesus says, by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus was telling his disciples then that the purpose of their life is to bring glory to God and that God is glorified when we produce fruit. The vine produces what the branch produces. Seems pretty basic, right? 
be pretty weird if you plant a, a grapevine and the branches bear grapefruit. It'd be weird. Something wrong with that. No, the branches bear the fruit that the, that the vine produces. As we abide in Jesus, he produces in us the righteousness of Jesus. And he makes us more like himself. Now, last week we learned that by our love for other people, we will know that we are Jesus' disciples. How will they know that we're disciples of Jesus? Because we love one another. And here Jesus says that bearing fruit by abiding in him is how we will prove that we are his disciples. I think that what we can deduce from last week and from this week is that Jesus is, is that love looks like sacrificial service to other people. When we abide in Jesus and we bear the fruit of Jesus, Jesus, who loved us and commanded us to love others, came to serve. And so if we are really growing in our discipleship, what is that going to look like? It's going to look like love for Jesus and love for other people that is made manifest by service to them in his name. His disciples will look like him and love like him and serve like him. Jesus said, by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. That is your purpose. If it doesn't, if it doesn't move you that your life glorifies the father, then there is a disconnect. When the Holy Spirit whose role is to glorify the Father and glorify the Son, takes up occupancy in your heart and replaces your heart of flesh with a heart of stone, the result is that you desire to glorify your Father in heaven. If that is not happening, if, that is, if you couldn't care less about glorifying the Father, then brother and sister, there is a disconnect between you and the Holy Spirit. Either you have so hardened yourself and quenched the Holy Spirit because of bitterness or anger or selfishness or something, or you don't have the Holy Spirit. You exist for the glory of God. You are the crowning jewel of creation and creation exists to glorify the Father. And Jesus says, here's how you glorify the Father. Here's how your life glorifies our Heavenly Father, that you bear much fruit. And the fruit of abiding in Jesus is love for other people and service in his name. So how do we do that as a church? How do we connect people to purpose through service? Well, we have a number of opportunities to serve people through our church. Last weekend, we packed 1,114 Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. And if you miss it, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to, to what it means to send over 1,000 shoeboxes as special access shoeboxes around the world into hostile environments. 
We serve elementary school kids and local public schools through before school Bible studies. We partner with local agencies like Pregnancy Resources and Safe Families and 180. We open our homes to orphans and vulnerable children. We visit widows and widowers in nursing homes. We preach at homeless shelters and we share the gospel at festivals and carnivals and parades. We send people to Haiti and Kenya and Galveston and many of those people are downstairs in our gym right now expressing to people how the Lord moved among them. One of our supported missionaries is in the gym with them right now from Haiti. We serve children and youth on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. We run tech teams so that we can have uh, a, a powerful uh, worship experience and, and, and broadcast onto the uh, internet so the people that are not able to be here can watch online. We greet people as they walk into the church for the first time so that they, being strangers, feel welcomed into our place. We have, a, we have myriad ways of serving through Wildwood Church to make our church a mission-effective force in the Quad Cities and around the world. But this is just the beginning of our service. This is just really how we serve one another. As we're gonna see next week, our vision is to see every member a missionary, taking the gospel across the street and around the world. It is my conviction and my hope and desire that every one of you who follow Jesus would recognize that when you pull out of this parking lot that you are on a mission trip, that your entire life is one big mission trip, that you are missionaries to the Quad Cities. It doesn't matter if you were born here or transferred here. This is your place. This is where the Lord has you to take the gospel and to change people's lives through it. That you would see your schools and gyms and parks and places of employment in your neighborhoods, and yes, your home, as opportunities to change eternity. And you do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. You do it all in order to get to the gospel, because that is man's number one need, to be reconciled to this holy God. You do all of this service, you live all of your life in order to have the blessed privilege of sharing the gospel with one more person and to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Wildwood Church connects people to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, to others through discipleship, to the church through partnership, and to purpose through service. That's the Great Commission. We make disciples who obey Jesus, who make disciples who obey Jesus. We preach the gospel always. We remind ourselves, we remind everyone around us that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And we lead with Paul's assessment of whom I am the foremost. We disciple those who believe the gospel by connecting them to other people and we plug them into the church body 
according to how God wants them to work. And then we send them into the world in order to make more disciples and to serve in Jesus' name. Folks, that is our mission. That's what we do. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the great commission. We thank you that you have been clear to us what we ought to do and what we ought to be about. I pray, Lord, that you would forgive Wildwood Church if we ever lose sight of that. And you quickly bring us back on track that we would be a great commission church. Lives for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching online. I hope that this message has inspired you to greater faith, has encouraged you, maybe convicted or challenged you. We're grateful to be able to provide this content to you online, live and on demand. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube so that we can get this content right to you as soon as we upload it. But you know, we believe that as a follower of Jesus Christ, that you need the body of Christ. You need the local church. And so if you're in the Quad Cities, let me invite you to personally join us in person for our gatherings on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 1040. If you're not in the Quad Cities, I wanna encourage you to go find a local church that teaches the Bible, that serves the community, that loves Jesus, that gives grace. Well, hey, thanks again for watching, and we hope that you were blessed.